Right. So let's uh, let's go to your papers there. Romans chapter seven is where we're going to be. So if you got a Bible or a device and you want to read there, but it's all printed there in your notes. There are some passages down here below that uh, you'll want to use your Bible for. But Romans chapter seven. And um, last week's title was the struggle is me. This week's is me too, <laughs> which. Which has got a little catch in it because if you read it, struggle is me, you think it might be me, but now you have to read it and it's me too. So it's, it's you. You can't get out of this one. You are indicted. And we talked about the struggle being the law, but the law is really not the problem. It's this flesh that does not want to follow the things of God. And we got a new spirit, we're recreation in Christ, but there's also this part of us that is still in touch with the old nature. Uh, we're in touch with the world around us, our passions, our emotions, Paul calls them the body, its members, and he talks about those things that, that we struggle against. And so this passage is, for Paul, biographical, but... He's talking here without revealing the solution to this, which is in chapter 8. And so there was a time in Paul's life, and there's a time in all of our life, in every believer's life, where we don't know the solution that God has given us to this struggle. And so this is what Paul is reflecting in here. Uh, so in the early parts of this Chapter 7, he was talking about his life before he came to the knowledge of the law, then he came to understand the law, and he thought the law was his problem. But it's not, the law wasn't the problem, sin in him was the problem. And it's not the law that kills, it's sin. And so, uh, then here in chapter 14, then he comes into this next section. We covered the first couple of verses last week, we're going to be able to finish through chapter 7 tonight. It's more than a confession. It's, 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 it's a prediction. All right, we're going to. All right, so chapter 7, verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. And that doesn't change no matter how spiritual you become. That's truth. We talked about that last week. Verse 15, For I do not understand my own actions. How many could say that's true? Yeah, I do not understand. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Now, he said that a couple times. He's said it around two or three different ways. It's a tongue twister, uh, but that's it. Verse 21. So this is this struggle. This is this wrestling that's going on, contention that's going on within. So I find it to be a law, not the law, a law, a rule, 
a principle that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, not the law, another rule, another principle. I see in my members another principle waging against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Okay, so here we are. This is the uh, second part of what we talked about last week. The struggle really isn't the law, though that's what he projected in the first section of chapter 7. The struggle really is you, and it's, it's our response. And as I said already, this section reflects Paul trying to deal with, or any believer trying to deal with, how to subdue the flesh so that they can walk in sanctification, walk in holiness. That's another word for sanctification. That we can walk out this life of righteousness. God made us righteous. That, that's over. That's done. But I'm not always living righteously. Now, I know I'm righteous in Christ Jesus, right? But then Paul does say, put on the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, there's something I got to I got to do with this righteousness that's in me. I'm not always dealing righteously with the circumstances and the situations that I confront. People say something to me, people do something to me, and I'm not always dealing righteously in my response to those things. Or is that just me? No, it's what's your title tonight? Me too. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just me. It's all of us. So in this, in this principle, Paul is talking about how these things are um, difficult because all he's got is the law. He's trying to use the law to subdue his flesh. And so that's really where this struggle is coming. The law couldn't get him saved, right? Is that true? By no law shall the flesh be justified, right? So there's no way that we are justified through the law. But can the law produce sanctification? And so this is where Paul is. Chapter 7, verse 18, bottom third of your page there. I do not have the ability. Verse 18 says, I know that nothing good, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. Now, I know, Paul knew, that there's a good part of me. Do you know that? That you've been created in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and true holiness. There's a part of you that is good. So he makes this statement, but then, he's, then he qualifies that that is in my flesh. Because the old man is dead as far as having power over me, but it's still there, and it still wants things, but it doesn't have the power, unless what? I give it the power, and so I yield to sin, or my flesh, 
instead of yielding to God or to righteousness. And so that's the struggle that Paul is showing you. So I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. You cannot, you cannot sanctify the flesh. You can't. It just is. And it's not going to be changed until we get to heaven. And in the resurrection, whether you are dead or whether you're still alive, in the resurrection, you will put off all of this flesh and be clothed in a new man, in righteousness. Not just inwardly, but outwardly. As Paul says, I will, I will put off this vile body that is attached to, in touch with, affected by, influenced by the world. And the world is fallen. So, Paul says, there's nothing good that dwells in my flesh. And here's the thing. For I have, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So there's my title for this section. I do not have, I don't have the ability to in myself, in myself, I do not have the ability to rule over the flesh. And again, Paul has not disclosed the solution. Some of you are way ahead of Paul in what he's writing here. Some of the people in Rome were ahead of Paul in what he's writing here because they've received other letters from Paul. Or they've been educated in other ways. And they're saying, oh, Paul, I know the solution. Shh. Don't give away the answers to the test. All right. So right now, Paul's talking about in a place when he didn't know what's in chapter 8. Now you say, but he wrote chapter 8. Yes. But there was a time in his life he didn't know this. And we're going to go back and look at that. And so when all of this was taking place... Paul was wrestling with this, I'm trying to do what's right, and I'm using the law to somehow do what God demanded. I'm trying to live up to the law. I'm saved, but I'm trying to live up to the law. You what? Can't. can't. <laughs> you just can't. You won't. But he goes on, for I do not do the good I want. Now, where's the want coming from? Every man, I want to do right, but I don't do it all the time. All right? Okay, some of the time, maybe most of the time. All right, I do not do it, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Not just what I did. The evil that I did, you know. I didn't want to do, I did. No, I keep on doing. So Paul is saying this, there, this was a reflection of his early time, but the condition still exists. And so no matter that he knows the solution, the situation still remains the same. It's just now I've got a different way. Here, all he's got is the law. Verse 20, For I do, for I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, 
but sin that dwells within me. It is this sin that has is enticed the flesh, and the flesh wants that, and I don't have a solution to overwhelm the flesh. All I've got is the law. You shall not. Well, just because someone said you shall not, did that keep you from doing it? I'm not asking you what. I'm just saying, right? Because there's a lot of you shall nots. But it didn't keep you from doing it. The law can't change you. It can reward you if you do the right thing, but it didn't change you. And it will punish you if you do the wrong thing. And so the law is not a solution, but that's all he's got. So where do we go for this? Paul probably struggled with this for years until he came to the understanding that we, many of us, have. But there may be people listening, people who are still not been informed and don't understand the solution that is presented in chapter 8. They don't know the solution that Paul ran into, and they're still trying to use the law to somehow subdue the flesh. And the world will help us, our family will help us, and many times the church will help us to use the law to subdue our flesh. Put us in condemnation, put us under judgment, try to use outward force to try to get to do things, but it doesn't change us because the law can't change us. And we're going to look at that in a couple passages um, here in another lesson or two. Where does this, where can we go for this? Look at Philippians chapter 3. Now I said, I don't have this section, so you're going to have to use your Bible. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. So Philippians chapter 3, Paul is kind of doing a little bit of review of uh, issues from his life, and he brings in uh, this section. Uh, It says, therefore, but I'm going to actually start in verse 3. He says, for we are the circumcision, Philippians 3, verse 3, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and and give glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So our salvation and our freedom and our new life all comes from what? Jesus Christ. And we put no confidence in the flesh. Circumcision had to do with cutting off of the flesh, right? Removing those things that Paul talks later about a circumcision of the heart. And so this is what a believer has. We cut off the fleshly ways, but there is a way to do that, that Paul is going to present. That's basically the same sanctification that we're going to be talking about. Look at verse 4. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, I could be confident in the flesh, but I've got no reason to be. But if you think you have reason to be confident in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. You, You think you can have confidence in your flesh? Let me tell you about my confidence in the flesh. I have more. Circumcised, verse 5, on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law. What's the next word? Blameless. Blameless. You want to talk about confidence in the flesh? I had it. And that's how I dealt with things. Paul lived under the law for 
probably close to 30 some years of his life. And he was about the same age as Jesus was when Jesus died and was taken to heaven, maybe 33, around there. Paul was born a number of years after Jesus, maybe four or five years after Jesus, so he's just a few years younger. And Paul dealt with the law, and he used the law for all those years. I mean, his parents circumcised him exactly on the day he had to be. He wasn't just of the tribe of Benjamin. He was of the family of Saul. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrew, not just a Hebrew. He was a Jewish Hebrew. You think, what in the world is that? That's someone who's born in the land. You could be Jewish, born in any part of the Roman Empire, any part of the world. You could be Jewish. But if you are born in Israel, you're a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You're a different class. Look at me. Right? And all of these things he's got. And not only that, he then became a Pharisee. I studied the law. And I didn't just study the law a little bit. He studied under who? Gamaliel. He got like a doctoral degree in the law. And he had everything he needed. He was at the top of the, the uh, pecking order. <laughs> Maybe he saw himself someday taking Gamaliel's place as the chief Pharisee in Jerusalem. Don't know that, but. You want to talk about being zealous? You want to talk about how zealous he was, how on fire he was for being a Jew? I persecuted the church. If you came saying this Jesus of Nazareth with the Christ, I would see to it not only that you'd be thrown out of town, that you would be maybe put to death. You have no right to say that. You want to talk about Jewish? I am Jewish to the place I will persecute any Christian. That's how Paul lived. And then you want to talk about living by the law? Yeah, I did. And I was blameless. Well, Paul, that's... Okay, you want to talk about confidence in the flesh? <laughs> that's, that's a lot of confidence in the flesh. That's how Paul dealt with his life. For 30-some years, Paul dealt with his life. Just like that. How did he deal with any kind of sin? How did he deal with any kind of violation? By the law. And by the law, I was blameless. If I found something wrong, I made a sacrifice. If I found something wrong, I did the repentance that was necessary, required, so that I could be blameless. Now, the word isn't perfect. It's blameless. There's nothing you could catch a hold of me. If I did wrong, I made it right. How? How did he make it right? By the law, yeah. By sacrifices or somehow some form of repentance. So Paul is like, this is, this is my life. I lived by the law. And then I got saved. And there was no Bible for me to read. There were no books on how to be a believer. You know, there was no, you know, printed little mini manuals on uh, steps to being a better Christian. Didn't have any of that. Paul instead was sent into the backside of the desert for three years. And then when he finally did come out of the desert, went to Jerusalem to meet the disciples, they didn't want to school him. It's like, um, you know, 
it'd be better if you weren't here in Jerusalem. We think it'd be better for you, better for us. So why don't you go home to your hometown and, you know, just wait on God to help you. Thank you. Goodbye. You know, so they kind of sent Paul away. And so Paul went back to Tarsus for eight years or so. Maybe as much as 11 years, Paul was out of all of that, away from anybody. We have no evidence there was ever a church in the city of Tarsus. So whatever growth Paul was getting, he had to be getting on his own. How would you like to grow on your own without a Bible? You got an Old Testament, and Paul knew the Old Testament. And so Paul began to grow in this. But yes, thank you, Jan, for interrupting my thoughts. She's got the answers. She's not supposed to tell the answers before I get to my point. But he also had Jesus speaking to him. And so Paul reveals several times in his writings how the Lord came and spoke to him about things. And so he began to understand. And he was growing in his understanding. And he grew in this understanding until, now let's go back and read chapter 3. Romans 3, and now begin in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, what was, what the, what's the gain he's talking about? Whatever gain I had under the, under the law, all my confidence, my blamelessness, whatever gain I had, what? I counted as nothing. He reached a place where the issues of the law were nothing. That's, that's not going to help me. It didn't help me before. It's not going to help me now. And so he came to this place. All right, so on the bottom of your page, top of your next page. This is Paul saying, whatever this confidence was, it didn't help me. But whatever he was trying to do, he was trying to live his life as a believer like he'd lived his life as an unbeliever. Before I knew Christ, I used the law. After I came to Christ, I used the? He used the what? He used the law. Until he realized, chapter 7, this is not working. This isn't helping me. It just makes me frustrated. I don't know how to do. I want to do this. I can't do it. I try to do that. I can't do it. I don't want to do that, but I do it. And the law is not helping that. So if you merge chapter 7 of Romans with this section right here in Philippians chapter 3, you see this place of contention that Paul went there. How long did this take, Paul? Oh, yeah, Paul was smart. It probably took him just a couple hours. Yeah. He had it down. That's not what's reflected in Romans chapter 7. It sounds like this is a long struggle. It sounds like it took him a while. How many of you could say, it's taken me a while? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still growing in this. So it's okay, because it took Paul a while. But thank God that the Lord had Paul write it down. <laughs> Not just the struggle, because we're all there, but also the solution which is coming. You just have to keep coming to class, and we'll get to the solution. All right, so this is, this is Paul saying whatever. Whatever gain I had, 
whatever I thought I was doing, whatever the law was doing for me to the place I thought I was blameless, now that I'm saved, I realize it's not helping me. I can't, I can't be changed. I, don't, I still don't want to do those things. And I use the law, but the law's not changing me. Because the law was never meant to change you. It's meant to condemn you. It's meant to show you how much you need a Savior. So, this is what Paul's going through. So his triumph is in verse 7. Let's read on. Uh, just read some of the rest of this. But whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. All those accolades, all those things, all that stuff that I thought I could do, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You, you want to know the answer? It's not knowing the law. Who knew the law? Paul knew the law. But what's better than knowing the law? Knowing Christ Jesus, of knowing him. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. He's not talking about possessions, though, that you put that in there. He's talking about his own confidence in himself, his own self-righteousness, his own arrogance. You know, you think you can live this without Christ. You need to humble yourself because you can't. You think you can do this life right? You couldn't do it before you're saved. What makes you think you can do it now without Christ? you got to know him. I count it all that I may gain Christ. Paul, you already got him. Now, how many of you say there's more of him to have? That I may gain. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. That doesn't mean I'm, I wonder if I'll ever be in him. I want people around to know that I'm in him. I want the evidence that I am in him to be relevant in my life. That I may know him and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. See? Not that righteousness that comes from the law. That which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, may share his sufferings, being, becoming like him in his death, that I any means possible I may attain to resurrection from the dead. There's way more in there than I'm going to cover. But that is the point. And he said, I didn't already attain this. I haven't, I haven't reached that yet. Paul? Philippians was one of the last letters that Paul wrote. You have not attained this. He's written Galatians and Ephesians and Romans and Corinthians, Thessalonians. By the time he wrote this letter, all of those letters had already been written. What do you mean you have not yet attained? That's, that's an awful lot. But it's not everything. Because this life is continuing to progress. So let's go back to our notes. Just below the top of your uh, page two. He states, I know that in me, that is in my flesh. The Greek word for flesh is sarx, S-A-R-X. 
that in my flesh nothing good dwells. Now, Paul didn't know this immediately. Right? So this was not immediately known to him. But it became a reality for him now. So when he says, I know, that is, I know now. I didn't know it then. I was saved, justified. I was living in the grace of God, but I didn't know this. He came to understand this. And brothers and sisters, that's where we're at. We're coming to understand how we can live this life victoriously based on the justification that we already received. That there is something to help us. And we're coming to that. So his expression that in me, he means in the flesh, in that, that natural part of me, and it refers to the fallen Adamic nature that is within Paul, that all believers continue to possess. You will have your flesh until this vile body is transformed into his glorious body. And so that will continue. And so in the flesh, he's not just referring to his physical body. He's referring to these passions that are inside the body. Now, Paul's got some other passages that he describes this thing. And Paul is very um, aware of this. And he uses these principles a lot in his letters. I just put down uh, five passages here. So let's look at these. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. I'm not the whole passage. I'm just looking at these phrases. Paul says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. The word discipline in the Greek language means to beat black and blue from within. Paul's not beating himself on the outside. He's not whipping himself and, you know, hitting himself or whatever. He's beating himself inwardly. And the idea behind this word discipline means to beat till you see the bruise. Wow. That's really taking authority against your flesh. That's when you really are saying, I am not, I am not going to do this. I am not going to follow this. There's a passion inside of me. There's a, a pull. There is a desire. I am not going to fulfill it. To the place where you will inwardly beat yourself till you see the bruise. That's by Kenneth Wiest. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit lusts against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's a wishing in me that goes to the flesh, and there's a wishing in me that goes to the spirit. And I'm going to have to choose between one or the other, because you can't have a middle road. There's no third option. There's flesh following the passions of the flesh even as a believer or there's following righteousness with God but there's no middle road and you are going to have to make a choice between the two Ephesians chapter 4 Paul says verse 22 that you put off concerning your formal conduct put it up these are believers he didn't say for you have put off He's using a, a verb tense that means do this and do it now. Put off the old man. 
Why? Because this old man is trying to control you. But he's dead. Yeah, but you picked him up and put him on. All right, that's gross, right? Morbid, but it's what you did. You dressed yourself in the skin of your old man. That's not even appealing. Put it off. Put off that old man. And the Greek tense again, do this, do it now. Make this a decision in your life. Put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And verse 23, but don't just put that off. Be renewed in your mind. In other words, let the word of God change you so that you realize there's something better. I put that off, and I'm going to renew my mind to the things of God, and that then I can put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Listen, you can't put on the new man without having a renewed mind, because you don't know what it is. So you've got to renew your mind to the truth of the Word of God. You've got to listen to the things in the Word of God. You've got to submit yourself to the Word of God. And we've got a helper. But that doesn't come till next week. <laughs> Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. A, I just say, a brand new believer in Christ is justified as justified as he will ever be. But he cannot put on the new man. Because he doesn't know what it is. So what do they do in a lot of circles? They bring in books of rules and regulations. Well, if you're a true believer in Christ, you won't be doing this anymore. You'll stop doing this. You've got to stop doing this. You've got to start doing this. And they give them what? Law. Not necessarily the law, but law. You've got to put all that off. You've got to stop doing all those things. They haven't told you anything about how to put on this new man. You've got to be renewed in your mind, and that's why it's important for new believers to be schooled in what God has done for you, who you are, what Christ has given you. That's why there has to be some, hmm, the Bible called it discipleship. Maybe that's really what it is. And by the way, discipleship, the root for the word discipleship, comes from the same Greek word that our word math comes from. And math is what? Putting this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing until you reach this, right? And that's exactly what discipleship is. It's this and this and this and this till you reach this. Not rules, not regulations, but who you are, what Christ has done, how he has done it, what it means to you, how you could have this freedom, how you can have this victory. Oh, and by the way, you need the Holy Spirit, but not till next week. Okay, so Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says, therefore, put to death your members. What? Okay, Beating black and blue was bad enough. But now you got to kill them, which is what the word means, mortify. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Fortication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is adultery. Going down to Colossians 3, verse 8 says, But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. So putting to death is the same as putting them off. 
Get rid of it. Well, give me the law. There you are. We're back to the law. No, we're not back to the law. There's a way for you to put this off and to live in victory. And so he's got to reach this conclusion. But where is Paul? Paul's still wrestling with the law. And so in the history of chapter 7, he's still wrestling with this contention. He explains again. He says, this desire to do what is good is there. But the law doesn't give me enough to carry out how to do it. Because all the law does is tells me what is wrong. The good that I desire by the law results in the evil that I had no intention of accomplishing. You shall not smoke after you've been saved. Because if you smoke, you're going to hell. Because people that smoke smell like hell. And therefore, you know, so if you, there are churches, that's like, that's like one of the biggest rules. You, and so what? If I don't smoke, I'm saved? Is, is that it? So not, not smoking is, is, is the issue? Wow, that, that's great. That was easy. No. We make rules and regulations to try to, we want to help people, but we're not helping if we're just telling them what not to do and what to do. We need to educate, disciple. We need to help people understand that, that there is help in the word, renew their minds, and there's help by the power of the spirit that's on the inside. So Paul summarizes all of this toward the end of verse 20. And he says, now if I, that is my fallen nature, this is down about a third from the bottom of your page too. Now if I, that is my fallen nature, do what I, the resurrection nature, do not desire to do. There's, I know what I'm doing is wrong. I can feel it in here. Anybody got that? And you, you know it's wrong. And you just don't, don't want to do it. I don't want to because the desire inside me says I don't want to. It's no longer I, the person's desire who does it, but sin. I'm doing what I don't desire, but it's not me, it's what? Sin, and I've not learned how to triumph over sin. I've not learned how to rule over the sin in my life, except by commanding by the law, you shall not. And all that does is makes me angry because it can't help me. It's sin that's in me. Bottom of your page. So who's in control? Chapter 7, verse 21. So I find it to be a law, not the law. I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Paul, you've said that. How many times have you said that? It was an ongoing problem. Why? Because he's using the wrong tool. Now, I like to cook. I learned to cook from my dad. And from my dad, I learned there's right ways to cook and there's wrong ways to cook. So when Jen and I got married and she would start to cook, I was helpful to tell her that she's doing it the wrong way. And how many think that went over really well? Yeah. So, you know, so I find that there's a law. I want to do what's right. Evil is right there. 
For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. We're not talking about the law, not the law. He, He doesn't just say, I delight in the law. He says, I delight in what? The law of God. This is more than the law. This is more than the 613 commands in the law. This is the very purpose and plan of God, how to live a righteous life. How many know God did not give Adam 613 commandments? God didn't give Abraham 613 commandments. What he wanted was him to learn the law of God, the principles of God, the direction, how God can give us the right way to live. But it doesn't always happen. I want to do these things. The law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members out here, affected by the world, temptations, passions, affected by the world, I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Now his reference here to the law of my mind, this is a reference back to the law of God that's in him. I know, I know there's things in me that are right and wrong. I know why. Because God has written them in our hearts. They're written in our hearts. The law of God has been written in our hearts. Not the Bible. It's not the Bible that's been written in your heart. It's the very principle that behind everything that's in the Bible. The principles that are there. Paul said there's, there's laws that I try to enforce upon myself, but it doesn't work. I just can't do it. And the law was against all the evil desires. But all the evil desires did was it made him want more. Like that special dark chocolate in the dish last week. <laughs> Tim, did you tell Barbie about that? That's why there's no special dark chocolates in the bowl this week. There haven't been any in there all week. Not that I looked. I just noticed, so I walked by, there's no special dark chocolates in that bowl. Just just saying, right. The the mandates of the law could not carry out because it's weak. Why is the law weak? Because of our flesh. And so the law can't make our flesh do or not do. Top of your page three, Paul explains that this inner desire comes from a delight that he has in the law of God that's according to the inward man. That when you got born again, uh, for lack of a better term, the law of God, the mind of Christ, was downloaded to your inner man. Every desire and purpose and plan and passion of God was placed in your inner man. Now, that doesn't mean I could just close the Bible and, and live without it. But listen, 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 listen. These early Christians didn't have a Bible. And Paul's expecting them to live it. So that means that there's a possibility that you can live according to the the passions, the purposes, the plans of God before the Bible? 
don't do away with it. God's called me to be a teacher of it, so you need to come and listen. But, but that, what that means is that God has put stuff in us. He's put his, his desires, his heart, his passions, that they're in us. And we need to be renewed daily. We need to have this law renewed within us. Our inner man, I'm, I mean, needs to be renewed to that which is on the inside. Listen, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is what? Being renewed day by day. So the, every experience that I have and that I'm going to face, God is giving me direction. He's giving me help. And I have it before I get to the circumstance. It's like God did say, sorry, I, I was busy downloading stuff to read it today. So, you know, couldn't, couldn't help you. You know, no, it's, it's God is giving us what we need. And it's there if we'll learn how to listen. Chapter 8. Okay. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Paul says, I pray. That's earlier in the chapter. I pray so that he, that is God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, I added some extra words in there. Paul said, I pray so that... God would grant you. The word grant means to give without restraint. Paul said, I'm praying. He didn't say, I'm teaching you. I'm praying that God would do this for you. Do you pray for your brothers and sisters? Do you pray for other pe people, for, you know, other believers in the church? Do you pray for people in other parts of the world? That God would grant them. Give without restraint. Well, God wants to do that. Why do we have to pray? Because God said so. It's good enough. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. How much is that? Well, that's an awful lot. What? To be strengthened by his might through his spirit in the inner man. The word strengthened means to be dominated by his supernatural power. What I'm praying is that God's supernatural power would dominate your life. How many would like to have that as a reality 24-7? Pray. Say, well, we study. No, don't just study. Paul didn't say study so this happens. He said what? Pray. I'm praying that God will do this for you. You know, sometimes I, th I think we, we have so much de de dependent on prayer and confession, teaching, that we've forgotten the power that is in prayer. So, well, prayer can't bring people to maturity. Paul believed it could. Amen. Do you disagree with Paul? He prayed for people to grow in maturity. Epaphras prayed for people to grow in maturity. Paul prayed that people would come to this knowledge. That God would grant to them. So that they would be dominated by his ability. So that when I face a circumstance, I face a problem, a a passion that is trying to overwhelm me i am dominated by his ability to overcome i'm not going to lose to this i'm going to gain this so paul says this is this is what i why paul says i want you to know this to know that i have an ability within and i can rule over this temptation i know we like to talk about ruling over 
this situation or that situation or this circumstance or that or this government or that government. We like to talk about ruling over. How about ruling over temptation in our life? How about ruling over our lack of of passion to follow the things of God? Our lack of passion to take this gospel to people that need to hear. Move on. In both these places, the inward man is something believers have that can be renewed. Paul tells us that, chapter 12, verse 2, which someday, Jesus doesn't come first, we'll get to. Romans 12, 2, he, he commands the believers to what? To be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind through the word of God. That we be renewed in our thoughts, and that will then transform us. The Greek word metamorphuo, which means to change the outward so that it reflects what's on the inside. And this is not just a thought here. Paul talks about this law of the mind that is in us. So Paul says, within me is this law of the mind in my inner being. Hebrews chapter 8, look at that passage right about the middle of page 3. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 through 12. In this whole passage, which is familiar to you, is when Paul says, or Paul writes the same as the book of Jeremiah, that God says, I'm going to take out of you a heart of stone and put in you a heart of flesh. Not flesh as evil, but as soft and pliable. I'm going to put in you a heart of flesh. I'm going to write my laws within your heart and within your minds. And that's what he says in verse 10. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. And Paul uses that phrase from Jeremiah to refer to what God has done for believers in this age. Jeremiah uses it to refer to what God's going to do for the Jews in the millennium. So that's how Jeremiah is talking about it. But Paul brings it over here by the inspiration of the Spirit of God and makes application to believers. When you got born again, God wrote in your heart. My, his rules, his ways, his thoughts, and write them on their hearts. My laws, not the law. Don't think of this as the Ten Commandments or the 613 Commandments. This is his law, his holy, righteous way to live. And God has written that in our hearts. Every believer, we just don't know it. So he's put that within us. And so when Paul says that this phrase, then another law in my members, but though that's on the inside of me, there's another law or rule operating out here. My hands want to do things that my spirit man doesn't want me to do. Get that special dark chocolate from the candy dish. And my inner man says, you don't need that. You got Jesus. Yeah, but special dark chocolate is, it's, it's something that, you know, so you have to what? Beat your body black and blue, right? Punish yourself inwardly, not outwardly. Don't pick up a whip and beat yourself or a stone and stone yourself or whatever. No, that's not what it's about. But there's this other law operating out here. And the law of sin waged against the law of the mind. 
And these two things, they're just going back and forth. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, same thing. The spirit of the lust against the flesh, the flesh lusts against the spirit. Flesh says, I want to control. Spirit says, I want to control. Jeff, you choose. Well, I don't want to choose. God, you choose for me. God says, no, I'm not going to choose for you. You choose. I can tell you what choose you make. You make choice for the spirit. But I'm not going to do it for you. You have to choose. Because you can't do what you want. Well, I'm going to walk the line here. I want to just you know, stay in the middle ground. I don't want to be, you know, too crazy for Jesus. And I don't want to, you know, be corrupt and whatever. No. you got to make up your mind. And so these two things, they, they do what? Last last point on that passage, making me captive. They make me captive. And these passions and this war makes me captive because I'm using the law. And the law has put me in jail. I can't do it. I can't even stop thinking about it. I try to. It just keeps coming back. And the more I think about it, not wanting to do it, the more I think about wanting to do it. And Paul goes on and on with this contest. Help me! Verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This hopeless, futile, battle that Paul seems to be fighting. Why? Because he's using the law, which is what most Christians are using. They're using rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. But you don't live by the law. You live by the Spirit of God. You live by the truth of the Word that's on the inside of you. I'm not saying it, it doesn't violate God's law, but the law won't change you, but the Spirit will lead you to life. Wretched man. Another translation of this, and I like this. It's kind of there in your, on your page. It's a, it came out lighter printed than what I wanted it to. One translation has it this way. I am a death-doomed man. Who will deliver me? Because that's what the word wretched means. Death-doomed. I am bound for death. If I try to live this way much longer... I'm not going to make it. I can't. All it's doing is telling me I'm no better off now that I'm saved than I was before I was saved. It's just that if I die, I guess I get to go to heaven. Maybe. As long as I wasn't smoking. <laughs> Paul recognized that these inner desires could not overcome his natural inclination. I can't stop this. But surely this is not how God wants me to live. Right? Through Christ Jesus. Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He doesn't really answer the question. He just makes a proclamation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's it. Well, you know, I got saved. <laughs> you didn't get you didn't get the point though. 
being saved is not just so that you can go to heaven and still have to live by the law. That's it's not it. It's through Christ Jesus is the solution to this wrestling contention that you're having. It's not going to, in a sense, do away with it, but it's going to give you the key to the victory over it. So then he sums up this passage with this, which this, so then, is a summary. It's not his solution. So don't think of this as his solution. This is not Paul saying, so then I'm going to serve the law of God with my mind and my flesh shall serve the law. That is not the solution. That's the summary of trying to do it by the law. So I guess I'm stuck with this. There's nothing else. With my mind, I'll serve God. With my flesh, I'll serve sin. Is that it? That doesn't sound like a victorious Christian life. That doesn't sound to give me any hope. So the end of verse 25, I want you to mark that in your Bibles, highlight in your Bible. That is not the solution. And yet I've read commentaries. I heard preachers use this as the solution. With your body, you saw, you'll serve the law of sin. With your mind, you'll serve the law of Christ. And you just have to realize that that's the way you are. No, it is not the way I am. That is not the way God wants me to be. This is not what God has for me. I do all this. Bottom line on your page. Paul said what? Still not victorious. <laughs> it's like got all this and I'm still not victorious. Paul has only surrendered to the ability to escape until. And that's it. I'm not going to tell you anymore. Just until. <laughs>